We want to see Jesus today. I want people to see Jesus in our communities. And so today we're going to jump into the book of Luke for this little Christmas mini-series and see a man who saw Jesus. A man who would see him and who would be enthralled by Jesus. A man who would respond the way that I want us to respond. A man who saw him in ways that we need to see him this December 2020. So would you open your Bibles and meet me in the book of Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35 is what I'm going to read. If you're with me online, please join with as if you were here. Grab your Bibles, get your devices, get to this part of your Bible, Luke chapter 2. And would you all stand to your feet, please, if you're able, here or in, uh, online. And I'm going to read verses 22 to 35. This is what God's Word tells us. And when the time came for their purification, referring to Mary and Joseph, along with Jesus there, the baby, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Watch this description, church. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we come and we open your word, we want to, just like Simeon, we want to see Jesus. Oh God, give us eyes to see along with ears to hear. Oh Holy Father, would you pour out your spirit on this place and on this live stream? God, would you pour your spirit out to move in our hearts? God, through me, through me, God, this this feeble messenger, would you give me power? Would the passion from which I speak reflect the beauty of what I say? And may your words persuade hearts to run to you. Father, for those who feel far from you today, 
Maybe they're here right now in person as a kind of last-ditch effort trying to come to you. God, maybe they stumbled upon a Facebook live stream. May they know that you are calling them to see your son today. And would they do that and respond in faith and repentance? God, use us and speak here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Man, what a beautiful passage. This story that we're looking at today takes place in the book of Luke, chapter 2. By this point, Jesus had already been born in Bethlehem. The angels came to the shepherds with that glorious sight, and those shepherds heard that the Messiah, the Christ, had been born in Bethlehem, and they came in a hurry to see what they had been told. And, and there they showed up, and they told Mary and Joseph, like, we saw some angels they told us that, that there's one uh, who was going to save people. That, that this is the good news that they brought to us. And they told us to come here and that we're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths. And, and here we are. And here you are. And here's your child. It says that Mary was stored these things in her heart. The baby was born. Eight days later, they circumcised him. And they gave him the name Jesus. According to Jewish law, After seven days from the baby's birth, at that point, the mother would go through 33 days of ritual purification and cleansing. And after that 33 days, plus the seven, it was expected for that mother to then bring her child to the temple to present him in Jerusalem for that firstborn son to be set apart for God. So by this point in time, Jesus is almost six weeks old. And there Mary and Joseph enter into Jerusalem, into the temple, ready to obey what the law said. And what we're about to see is Jesus' poverty. We've got to see his poverty here, church. That he who was rich did become poor. We're told in verse 22 that according to the time, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph were God-fearing people, church. Like they loved the Lord and they wanted to obey him radically. And there is something to be said about a God-fearing mother. There's something to be said about a God-fearing father. And here they brought their child who couldn't make a decision on his own, but they said, we're going to follow God's law and bring you with us. I know, and this is a side note, some of you here today and you are in this battle trying to parent your child. Maybe you feel alone because your spouse isn't with you. Maybe you're alone because you're a single parent, a single mom, or a single dad. I want you to know that God sees your work, and he has compassion on you, and that you can be that God-fearing wife or mother, that God-fearing father. And though you might feel alone, you can make choices that brings your child with you. And so, parents, I've got to say, be bold in this way. Look at Mary. Look at Joseph. And look at them bringing their child into the temple when he was just six weeks old. From his infancy, Jesus was coming to worship. Parents, let's do that with our kids. And they come into Jerusalem. And it says, according to verse 22, then 23, that they came to present him to the Lord. Because it's written, notice it says, every male, in verse 23, who first opens the womb, that's the firstborn son, should be called holy to the Lord. God set up in his law that the firstborn son was to be set apart. It was kind of a first fruits. This is why the Bible teaches throughout that we're to give our firsts to God. 
That's what we talk about even in the Old Testament. The finances, the first of their income goes to God, that first 10%. The first of our energy should go to God, the first of our devotion. And in like manner, God set it up that even in the household, the first of your children is set apart for God. And what this simply means is that there is a a clear expression of saying, hey, God, we want to honor you. We want you to know that in all we do, you take preeminence. And Mary and Joseph, in their devotion to God, come to Jerusalem with this heart about them. It says here in verse 24, they came to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So notice that. They came bringing either two doves or two young pigeons. It didn't say baby pigeons because you've never seen a baby pigeon, right? Like, do they even exist? Right? So, no, it's two turtle doves or two young pigeons. This was what is called by the law of the Lord to sacrifice. So this is what they did. Now it's fascinating because we read about this law in the book of Leviticus chapter 12. And I want to read for you what it says. It says, when the days of her purifying are complete, the 40 days, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Now, if you notice, if you're an attuned listener here, what we read that Mary and Joseph brought was they were required to bring either two turtle doves or two pigeons. But Leviticus 12 says they're required to bring a lamb and these turtle doves or pigeons. Something's missing in their offering. And so the question is, what's going on for them? Why not bring what the law required? Were Mary and Joseph just being rebellious? Was it an oversight? The law continues to say this in verse 8 of Leviticus 12. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons. Mary and Joseph come into Jerusalem and they can't afford the very sacrifice they're coming to make. The law made a provision for this and they're there to bring turtle doves. This family church was po. They could not afford what? The R. They were broke. And I think that's something really special to see here. That God who is rich would become Poe. <laughs> he didn't have to do it that way. But there's something so consistent with our God is that he is always compassionate for those who don't have. Maybe today you feel like, man, that is me. I, I am poor. Financially, I am poor. Well, Jesus became one just like you. But the truth of the matter is we're all broke, church. We're all poor. We have a poverty of spirit. We have a poverty about us. And Mary and Joseph and Jesus are poor. He who was rich became poor. There's more there. I'll get to that later. It reminds me of that Disney movie, Aladdin where you have Princess Jasmine who's in her palace for all of her upbringing, and then she, she's just curious to see what's going on in Agrabah, right? She wants to know what it's like among the commoners because she's never been out among them. 
And finally, curiosity gets the best of her. She dresses up like a commoner and comes out to live among them. And what she finds is the people were pretty messed up. She finds that they're living in poverty, that they're pretty miserable. In, in this fairy tale world, we see this, this princess who is so concerned for her people that she goes out there. And it's a, quite a special picture. But what I find so fascinating is that even in a fairy tale world, it can't get quite the extent of what God has done for us. Because it's not like God was in heaven curious how things were going here. He heard our cries. He saw our plight. And he didn't just come among us for a day or two. He became one of us for his life. He entered into our poverty, church. He who was rich became poor for a specific reason. Our fairy tales can't quite match what God has done. He didn't take a short visit, but he came to defeat a great foe. And unlike uh, Jasmine, he ain't need a genie to do it. He himself would overcome his great foe called sin, death, and Satan. But to appreciate that, we got to see the poverty of the Son of God. There in Jerusalem, broke, poor. This is how God entered the world. But not only do I want us to see the poverty, I want us to see something else. I want us to see the power of Jesus. And this is where Simeon comes into the picture. You see, Simeon is a man who lives in Jerusalem. And we're def- he's described as this. I find it so dope. Like, what? He's described as a righteous man who is devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he is, the Holy Spirit is upon him. I want that description. Like, like, I'm the real church. When you see people like this in Scripture say, man, I know this man is broken. He, he, he's not perfect. But, Lord, would you do this in me? Lord, how I long to be one who is, who is righteous. That means one who follows your law. God, I want that. I'm so broken. I need you. God, I want to be one who is who's seen to be devout. I, I want to be devoted to you. I, I want to anticipate your coming. God, I, 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 want, I want to be led by your spirit. Man, this is the description we're giving to Simeon. We're giving this description because we're waiting for something to happen through this man. To, to appreciate what Simeon is doing to, to see the power of Jesus we're about to take a look at, we've got to understand what is meant by these descriptions. In particular, that he was one, it says here uh, in verse 25, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, man, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my, my memory fails me, but I feel like for the first time in my life, I understood that passage this week, that phrase. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. In my mind, I always thought I was waiting for things to come together. But then I'm like, that's the consummation or the consolidation. But this is the consolation. And the word consolation means to console, to bring comfort. And so Simeon was a man who was waiting for Israel's comfort. They're consoling. Now, what does this mean? Well, it takes us to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Where the prophet says this, he says, comfort, comfort, my people, says our God. God is saying, I'm coming to bring comfort for my people. And then he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, tell her that her warfare has ended. 
that her iniquity is pardoned. Those who waited for the consolation of Israel, for Israel's comfort, were waiting for God to come and tell her that the war is over, to come and tell her that her sins have been forgiven. Church, Simeon is a man who is living his life waiting for God's forgiveness. He's waiting for pardon because Simeon understands something that you and I have to understand is that sin is an antagonizer. It is a vile foe. It follows us everywhere we go. It is inside of us. It condemns us at every turn. It's like that itchy tag in the back of your shirt that you just can't seem to shake. Sin is always around us, and it declares us guilty, church. And so those like Simeon were saying, God, I am waiting for you to put an end to that. He was waiting for pardon. And so all of a sudden, I see Simeon as a man who is longing. This is why our Christmas hymns say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. There's a longing in these songs. And that's what Simeon had here. Simeon was longing. But we're given this awesome extra detail about Simeon in verse 26. Notice what it says. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Come on. God had told Simeon somehow, through a vision, through a dream, through direct revelation, audibly, I don't know, but God made it crystal clear to Simeon that he wouldn't die until he would see Jesus. And so he waited his life to see him. Or as my daughter told me yesterday, he was literally living for Jesus. (laughs) There is Simeon waiting. And what's he doing while he's waiting? He's worshiping while he's waiting. What's he waiting? To see Jesus. Because after he can see Jesus, he could die. What's on your bucket list? Perhaps skydiving, right? Hot air balloon. Go on a safari. Travel to Europe, seven wonders of the world, every continent. What's your bucket list? Simeon's bucket list had one item. It was to see Jesus. If I could just see Jesus before I die, everything would be right. And God had told Simeon that this would be the case. Imagine what it was like that moment. When according to the Spirit's guidance, we see in verse 27, as Simeon uh, came in by the Spirit into the temple, like he happened to walk into the temple while who is there? But Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And there he locks eyes on him. It says that he takes the child in his arms. He took him up and he blessed God. And then he makes this beautiful statement. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. 
God, I saw what you told me I could see, and I can go now. Simeon had been waiting and waiting. He had been worshiping while waiting. Church, the, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back. And just as he fulfilled his promise the first time, he will do it a second time. And so though we know he has come, we also can know that he will come, church. And what are you doing while you're waiting? Church, let's worship while we wait. Simeon was a man of character because he worshiped. Simeon was a man of devotion because he worshiped. He was devoted to his God. He wanted to know his God better. We come to the end of 2020, church, and this is a year that we are glad to forget, right? But God has been at work in it. He's been forming us. But now we come to the threshold of a new year. How will you pursue God in 2021? How will you seek to see Jesus? What will your devotion be like? Plan for that today. Worship while you wait. Set goals Maybe your goal is to read through the Bible in 2021 from cover to cover. Maybe it's to grow in your way of fasting and prayer. Maybe it's to share your faith with some person every month. I don't know what the goal is, but be devoted to God, just like Simeon was as we wait for our Savior to return. Simeon is here. He holds the baby in his arms, and he sees his poverty, but he also sees his power. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He sees that this baby has a power about him to bring salvation, comfort, pardon, to declare that the war will be over. He goes on to say that you have prepared for the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon sees his child and he recognizes that this is the child that Isaiah said, for to us a child is born. Simeon's holding the one who would crush Satan's head. Simeon's holding the king who would reign on the throne of David. He is holding the prophet like Moses. He is holding the one that all of creation is awaiting. He is holding the one that all history sees as a climax. And there he is with baby Jesus in his hands. And he says that this Jesus will bring salvation. But notice the scope of this salvation. Notice the power, the extent by which this child would save people. It says he would save people in verse 31. He would save all peoples. Revelation for the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people as well as Jewish people. You know, one of the coolest things when Erica and I went to Israel several years ago, we went to a, a church in Israel that had murals of the nativity. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And at every step, they had that same mural, but depicted in a different cultural context. They had Mary dressed up in classic Japanese attire. Then they had Mary dressed up in Swedish attire, and different nations were there. And Mary was dressed as them, along with Jesus. Because it was meant to symbolize that this Jesus would come to save people from all nations. Simeon saw this, and he knew this, that the baby is God's salvation. 
for all people. That God's intention through this child was to pardon the sins and save souls of people in Senegal. That it would be God's intention through this baby to redeem lives in Liberia. That it would be God's intention through this baby to offer forgiveness in the Philippines. To make believers in Bolivia. To bring salvation to Switzerland. Justification to the Navajo Nation. To die for the Danes. To rescue Rwandans. To purchase Poles. To make disciples in Dominica. And to make Christians in Korea. Simeon understood that this baby had the power to do just that. And he saw this baby and he could see God's power. Church, we can see Jesus and we can see his power. Because in this room and on this live stream, and I know you church family, we got people from the DR to the PR. We got people from Mexico to Colombia, Venezuela to here from the United States. We got people in our church from Korea to Germany to England, Salvador, from people from West Africa and the Philippines, Ecuador, Cuba, Romania, Iraq. And I know I'm missing some of y'all. and I'm so sorry. But you have seen how this baby had the power to bring salvation to the ends of the earth because you are here. Simeon is here. He saw his poverty, but he saw his power. And oh, that we would see the same, church. That we would see the same. At the end of the day, Christmas is about what Jesus not just came, but came to accomplish. We would see his power, but then through this, we would ultimately see his plan. That we would see the plan of Jesus. And that's what we see in verses 33 and following. His father and his mother marveled at what Simeon said. I mean, imagine that. Someone picks up your baby saying, this is the one that's going to save the world. That's what they just saw and heard. And Simeon blessed them. And he goes from praise now to prophecy. He's not only declaring a praise that this is what this baby would do, but he's about to prophesy about the manner, the plan by which he'd do it. He says to Mary, Notice that Mary is the one being directed to something that this is inclination why that Joseph would not be around in the future. Many think Joseph died at some point during Jesus' life, which is why we don't see him in his adult ministry. Simeon tells Mary, his mother, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. He would draw a line in the sand. You are for him or against him. He would be for a sign that is opposed. And this is what Simeon tells Mary. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What Simeon is telling Mary here is that something's going to happen to your child. And what happens to him will expose other people. He'll create a dividing line, that their hearts will be laid bare. But in so doing, it will pierce your soul, Mary. And I can't help but just even flash back that image of Mary at the foot of the cross. Her son's hands being pierced. Her soul being pierced. His feet being pierced. Her soul being pierced. His side being pierced. Her soul being pierced. 
See, Jesus came with a plan to save us, yes, but he would do so through dying for us. He would do so through being pierced. And at that foot of that cross, there were many mockers and there were worshipers. That's the line that he draws. This is what Christmas is about, after all. And he reveals our hearts. I want us to see Jesus today, church. And my prayer is that you would be a worshiper and not a mocker. That you would be one who submits to Jesus and doesn't resist Jesus. This is what Christmas is about. And Simeon is there. He sees this baby's poverty, but then he knows his power And God gives him a vision of the plan. And the plan would be a cross. The cross was no accident, church. It was always God's plan. Jesus came for a people, and the means by which he would get us would be a cross. It didn't happen to him. He chose it. It wasn't an accident. He planned it. You know, the thing in this passage that jumped out is the irony that drips throughout it. Because here's this little baby, seemingly helpless, helpless, 40 days old, and yet this is what he would do. The other irony is that his parents show up in Jerusalem, broke, not even affording the R. Here they are, entering in Jerusalem, trying to be obedient, and they can't even afford the lamb to sacrifice for their sins. And the irony of the passage is of this very thing, that they carried the lamb who would sacrifice for their sins, church. That then their very arms was the lamb of God who would take away the sins of this world. That there in their arms was him who would redeem Israel, who would save them from the penalty of their sins, church. Would we, as we look at Christmas, marvel in this beauty? They didn't have the money, but God paid it for them. They didn't have the lamb, but God was there right with them. And church, in the same way, God is offering forgiveness to us. If you've put your faith in Jesus today and you've never done so before, I need you to know that his life and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead was done for you. And that through faith, you can be forgiven. His power applied to you so you can be redeemed. You can receive eternal life. You can be brought into God's family because of this baby Jesus. And church, if you have already put your faith in Jesus, let us marvel. Let us see him in a fresh way. Let us never grow tired. Because him who was rich became poor so that we who are poor could become rich. This is the heartbeat of Christmas. So therefore we say joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature and Chicago and the brook and all the world sing. Joy to the world. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church. God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise, my God. And oh, Lord. 
I pray that like Simeon, we would see you today. God, that we would see that this Jesus was the one who is all that we need. God, I pray for faith in this place, for faith for those watching to come to Jesus if they haven't. And for us, God, who are in your family, that we would walk in this beauty, seeing how you would become poor, seeing your power to save and the plan of the cross to do it. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice. Thank you that you always had a plan. Oh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise to our feet, church, and sing this closing song together. If he's your hope, can we give him a hand clap? If he is your hope, if he is your hope, if he is your hope, yeah, Jesus, you are our hope. Without you, we've got nothing, but with you, we have everything we need. Where would we be without you, oh, Jesus? We praise you. We praise you that you have spoken our redemption. You have accomplished it through your life, death, and resurrection. And we come today feeble and broken, but oh, so strengthened by your grace. God, go with us this week, Lord. We need your help. We need your help, Lord. Life gets so hard and worrisome. Remind us, God, that you chose to walk among us, to become one of us. You know our hurts and pains. You know our struggles. You can sympathize with our weaknesses. But God, in that same way, remind us also of what you came to do in giving us redemption and forgiveness. And I pray we will walk out of our identity, out of who we are, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Christmas. What a special time it is, Lord, to remember the incarnation, the coming of your son, Jesus. That you, O oh God, would become a man. Wow. I pray this wonder would not escape us. Jesus, our Lord, has come. Go with us this week, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen.